Well, Happy New Year. I know I said Happy New Year earlier, but I want to say Happy New Year again because this is a new year. It's a big deal. It's, uh, I guess you could say, kind of a new start, right? And as I thought about this new year, as I reflected on 2023 and what's going to happen in 2024, I had mixed emotions, Mixed emotions. At first, I was excited, I was joyful, and I was thinking, okay, uh, do I need to make New Year's resolutions? I'm not one that makes resolutions, but nonetheless, I was excited of the things to come for this year. And then as I thought about the things that are happening around the world, then I started to feel a little uneasy. I started to feel a little worried, and sometimes I felt anxious. As you thought about the new year, And as you reflected on 2023, did you have the same similar experiences that I probably had? And so as I went through this reflection, one of the questions that came up was this question, is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for 2024? Is Jesus enough for 2024? So we start a new series And the series is called, Is Jesus Enough? But for today, the main topic that we're going to be looking at is the new year, 2024. Is Jesus enough for 2024? Why am I asking this question? Well, because if you think about recent events, not just in 2023, but also, I'd say probably in the last five to ten years, we've had a lot of things happen in our world. Um, Just to list out a few here, we had cancel culture that came about. As I researched cancel culture, it wasn't just something that happened 10 years ago. It was around since 1988, you know. Cancel culture is the culture of, if I don't like you, I'm going to ostracize you. Is that biblical? It's not. And I don't care which side of the tracks you are on, if you claim to be Christian, it is not biblical. Number two, immigration. I'm not saying immigration is good or bad, but I'm just saying that it's been an issue of our country for the last 40, 50 years. And it seems to be getting worse. I welcome anyone to come into our country so they can have the same rights as you and me, But I I do think there needs to be some type of order on however that order looks like. Okay, We have active shooters and mass shootings, and it seems to be more frequent. Now, if any of y'all are my generation, I'm 43 years old, I was a senior in 1999. That was the year that I heard about the first school shooting at least of my time, uh, happening here in Columbine, Littleton, Colorado. That's when two shooters went into a school and killed, I forget how many students, but it was 12, 12 students. A teacher. Okay, it's teacher and several students. But nonetheless, that seemed to ignite active shooters in, uh, for the years to come. We have Black Lives Matter. I'm not saying it's good or bad. What I'm saying is this is a group that loves to stand up for the rights of people of color. And that's good. Although there are some people 
that are radicals in that group, and within those radicals, they have created some, some crimes in our country, while in essence, I do believe that it stands for something good. Then we have the Me Too mo- movement. The Me Too movement was something that came about in 2017, I want to say, or 2013, when Alyssa Milano, you might know her as a child actress at, of that time, she was on Who's the Boss with Ted, is it not Ted Danza, Tony, yeah, Tony Danza. I like that show, and at that time, Alyssa Milano was young. But in 2017 or 2013, she put on social media that when she was young, she was forced to do certain things she didn't want to do. And that started this movement of Me Too, where women were coming out saying that they were treated unfairly. And I support that. I support that in the fact that we should always treat everyone fairly equally with, with human love, right? And then six, abortion has been a hot topic of our country since 1970, but in 2022, when Roe versus Wade was t- uh, turned over and abortion was made illegal in, in a lot of our states now, uh, that has caused dissension within our country once again. And then we know what happened in uh, March 2020 when that was the first lockdown worldwide for COVID-19. And when COVID-19 came about, what came after that? COVID vaccinations. And there were two groups of people with COVID vaccinations. You either said yes to receiving the vaccination or you said no to the vaccination. And we know that caused a lot of issues. And then we have Russia invading Ukraine in January or February 2022. And then late last year in October, Hamas uh, invaded Israel. And then Dylan Mulvaney possibly put, ignited the movement on homosexuality, but most of all with transgender when he became the spokesperson for Bud Light. And a lot of people were angered by that, so they said no to drinking Bud Light. And Bud Light sales dropped by several billion dollars. Now, oh, and one more, the 2024 presidential elections. Now, I bring this up not to entice commotion, not to get you to believe on one side or the other. Some of this stuff is good. Some of this stuff is bad. Some of this stuff is human things that we will argue about for years to come. But what I'm bringing up today is that these are recent events that have transpired throughout some some of them several years, some of them decades, but I feel like now they're coming together, culminating climaxing possibly in 2024. I'm not trying to say something's going to happen like a a big world war. That's not what I'm saying. I just feel like everything that we've seen in the last two years is going to carry over into 2024, right? While I said it's a new year and I wish it was a new start, let's be honest. We can't press a button to say this is completely a whole new year. Everything that happened last year, we're going to leave in 2023. No, Hamas and Israel is still a thing today. COVID-19, we still see the consequences of it even to this day. 
Why do I bring this up? This is not a fire and brimstone message. It's not a fire and brimstone sermon. You might say, what is a fire and brimstone sermon? Well, to me, those are tactics that are using Bible truths, but falsifying it to get a reaction from the church people. An example of that is in the early church in 1100 ADs, the early church said, you need to pay this, that's called indulgences, you need to pay this in order to get to heaven. Is that biblical? It's not. That is fire and brimstone, because if you don't pay to, for these indulgences, then you are going to go where for all eternity? That's not biblical. You're going to go to hell, Right? It's not biblical. That's fire and brimstone uh, preaching. This instead is painting out the facts that are happening in our society today, in our world today. And I think as Christians, we can't ignore it. We can't just brush it underneath a rug and say, hey, let it sort out by itself. It's not. One day, one of these things is going to come right at our door. And how do we respond to it? Now, mind you, you're looking at these events, and there's things that I've left out. Uh, There's not natural disasters in there. In the last 15 years, we've seen tons of natural disasters. Katrina, Harvey floods, um, earthquakes. There was an earthquake last week in Japan. Now, I'm not sharing this to scare y'all. I'm sharing this because we need to address it. It's carried over into 2024. Now, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Here's our key text for today. Jesus gives us insight on what we can do about these world events. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 32 through 33 and 42, it says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. The fig tree was a very or is a very common plant in that region, in the Mediterranean The fig tree, as soon as its twigs get tender, why is it getting tender? Well, it's because water is starting to flow through its capillaries once again. Water is inside the plant. Water is nourishing the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, what do you know about it then? You know that summer is near. They used people back then, Jesus back then, and the people of Jesus' time used Mother Nature to inform them what was happening, what season they were in. And here you have an example of Jesus saying that when the twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you know summer is near. Jesus then continues to say, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is uh, near, right at the door. What is near? What is he saying? That, what is that it that he's talking about right there? It's the end of times. It's the second coming of Jesus. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. We have to remember the context of this, of this passage You have to read the entirety of Matthew chapter 4, which for time's sake, we won't do that today. But if you were to look at Matthew 24, if you turn your Bibles uh, to there, and I think most of y'all have it there right now. Matthew 24 is the signs of the end of the age or the second coming of Jesus. It starts out in this manner. 
Jesus tells his disciples as they left the temple, they're in Jerusalem, they're looking around. He tells his disciples in verse two, you can read with me, Matthew 24, verse two, it says, do you see all these things, he asked them? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Then his disciples proceed to ask him, well, when is this all gonna happen? When is your second coming going to happen? And then the famous passage that a lot of Christians know, especially Adventists, is the passage of where Jesus says that there's going to be earthquakes and famines, right? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars, right? And then there's going to be persecution that you will be handed over and put to death and the nation shall hate him and then the love of many and the faith of many shall grow cold that's what jesus is talking about here now then we come we fast forward to verse 32 and verse 33 that's where he then says use these things like the fig tree use these things to inform you when the end is near. Now you might say, as I have said many times, that every generation has always had some type of atrocity to say, hey, World War II must have been the thing that has indicated and marked that Jesus is coming soon. Or you can go back into history. What, if, what about the Crusades? What about um, Bloody Mary? Do you know that, that the, the history behind that, that person named Bloody Mary, who was actually a queen of England, who persecuted Catholics? Yes. No, she was Catholic. She persecuted Protestants. Exactly, Tish. Thank you. I mean, there's just so much atrocity. So how do we know exactly what Jesus is talking about? We can't really put it on events is what I think. We can't. But Jesus did say rumors of wars and war, wars and famine and, and earthquakes and other things of that nature. I think we have to see the big picture because what Jesus does say in the next verse, in verse 36, he says, no one really knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Okay. What we cannot get caught up on, because I will be honest with you as a pastor, I find myself going back and forth on the two the two worlds here, there's really two theories, or two, not theories, I shouldn't say theories, two ideas, two teachings that, that come out of this. this. Is Jesus sharing this pertinent only to the time of the disciples, or is he sharing this for future generations to come as well? I think the answer is yes. I think what Jesus is really pointing out is when humanity is left to his or her own devices, there's going to be destruction. When humanity is left to their own devices, there's going to be destruction. But when we trust in Jesus, there's going to be life. There's going to be peace. And that's what you and I should focus on. When we read this passage, the biggest mistake I made in reading this passage years ago was focusing on the catastrophes 
when I should have been focusing on what? Not just the command, but the part where it says the Lord will come. The reconciliation part with God. That's what we really need to focus on. It's kind of like Christmas. We just had Christmas two weeks ago. We can easily focus on the gifts and the presents and the games and then lose the focus on family. We do that with Jesus too. So the focus should not be on calamities, but it should be focused on the very verse here in verse 42 where it says, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. That's the, that's the reconciliation part for you, me, and Jesus. That's the main focus. And here's the other thing that I really want us to focus on today is, okay, because we have said that we have troubled times today, we do have troubled times today. Israel and Hamas is still there. Russia and Ukraine is still there. Our political issues in our country is still there. There. So what do we do in times of trouble? That's where we have to keep reading. In Matthew 25, it's so important that you always read Matthew 24, where Jesus talks about the end, end of times. Read Matthew 24 with what? Matthew 25, because Matthew 25 is what we should be doing when we find the world around us crumbling. We shouldn't go ahead and say, well, with the world crumbling, I'm going to pick a side. I'm going to pick the side of being Republican, or I'm going to pick the side of being Democrat. No, Jesus says, rise above that. I'm going to give you something else. And here is the formula. If you were to break down Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, here is what we should be doing during times of trouble. The first one is we should be keeping watch. Keeping watch of what? Well, God does want us to to look at what's happening in our world. He wants us to have a pulse of what's happening in our world because he wants to know how we can respond. He wants us to be informed so you and I know how to respond to what's happening in the world. But I also think keep watch means that keep watch on your own faithfulness. You've got to watch on your faithfulness too. Because as a Christian, we can't be fighting like the people out there. We can't. Otherwise, what's going to be fixed? Someone needs to be the champion for that. And he wants us to be the champion for it. So he wants us to, number one, keep watch. Number two, be ready. I'm going to connect this to number three because you might say be ready and be prepared are the same thing. I think they're a little bit different. Readiness, I think Jesus here is speaking of readiness of the mind and spirit. Being ready for him to come. Being ready that if trouble does come, you are prepared and you're not going to crumble and fall when, when someone strikes you down, right? Or someone takes what belongs to you. No, be ready faithfully, spiritually, emotionally. And then be prepared. Matthew 25, verse 1 through 13, that's the story of what? Do you know that passage? 
Matthew 25, 1 through 13, is the parable of the ten virgins, right? Do you remember that story? That's where five of them are prepared uh, with oil in their lamps, and five of them said, eh, I'm going to wait last minute. And once the bridegroom, bridegroom comes, who's ready? The ones who prepared their lamps. They're ready to go. And the bridegroom takes them with him, uh, with him, while the other five who were not ready, they were scrambling around looking for oil for their lamps. So this number three, be prepared, means tangible things. The things that you are, have invested your life in, your career, your job, what are you spending your money on? Or be prepared also on where you live. Or have you taken into consideration your environment? Which brings us to number four, practice good stewardship. All the blessings that you receive from God, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, is the parable of the talents, that some uh, did not use those talents wisely, some buried it, while others invested in it. So we should practice stewardship. And why should we practice stewardship? It's important for number five. Number five is so you and I can live out love, God's love. Wait a minute, you mean all these blessings I received is not for me to just enjoy and, and just hoard? No. He wants you to share those blessings because what is the passage of Matthew 25, 31 through 46? That's the story. That's the story of where Jesus says that the Son of Man, when he returns, shall separate the righteous and the unrighteous like sheep and goats, right? Now, how many of us, when we read that passage, we focused on it and said, see, God's going to have a judgment one day. I'm good, you're bad. That's not the focus of that story. The focus of that, of that part of the story is what? Love. Live out love. How do I know it's love? Because what does Jesus say at the center of that passage? He says, whatsoever you have done, to the least of my brethren, you have done unto me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you gave me something to clothe me with. When I was lonely, you comforted me. And the list goes on. That really, in essence, is love. It's not about the sheeps and the goats. It's not about the righteous and the unrighteousness. It's about God. It's about Jesus telling his people, live out love. And you can live out love by the ones that are often forgotten by society. The ones who are in prison, the ones who are hungry, the ones who are sick. And the list goes on. Now I want to concentrate a little bit on verse 4 and verse 5 and then we'll have prayer and go into our Bible study. There was two words here that I uh, intentionally picked out. Practice at first, when I wrote this, I wrote practice stewardship for number four, and then I wrote practice love for number five. And then I realized that's wrong. That's wrong. You and I can practice stewardship. What's the difference between practice and living? Well, here it is. Practice is something that we sometimes don't want to do. Let's be honest, right? We don't want to do it, but we do it out of duty, if you ever played football, when I played football, I had to practice in the hot 
humid weather of Houston, Texas. I didn't want to practice, but I knew it had to be done. And if I wanted to stay on the team, I was going to perform. And so we would practice in that type of setting. Here's another illustration, one that will, that will really hit home. A mom, a single mom who has three children, and because it's Christmas Day, she wants to have a nice meal for them, but she can only afford one dish at a restaurant. One dish to split amongst them. In order to practice, uh, in order to have food for future days, she has to be a good steward that night to make sure that they have food tomorrow and for the days to come. The kids are crying. The kids are complaining. Why can't I have my own dish? But that mom is saying, honey, we have to eat the other days. So we have to share this one dish. That's practicing good stewardship. It's not something she likes, but it's something that she has to do for the sake of her family. See, that's practice. Now, what is living out love? To me, living out love is a human necessity. It is God's one expectation for you and me. Nothing else. The one expectation that God has for you and me. Now here's what live is. Just like how I breathe air. I don't think about it. I don't hold it. If I hold it, after three minutes, what? I'm dead. I'm out of shape, so I'm, I'll probably guess maybe one minute, 50 seconds. I went to Hawaii three years ago with my brother-in-law, Matt Angier, and I envy that dude because he was snorkeling underwater. I'm like counting my watch, and he's down there for five minutes, maybe not five minutes, maybe like three minutes, and he comes back up with his GoPro, and he has the greatest pictures of um, ocean eels and colorful fishes and other things, but I can't see those things because I'm too scared or I can't hold my breath that long. But that's what it means to live out love. Now, what do you and I do when someone irritates us or someone makes us mad? We want to hold our breath. We want to hold that love. We want to spite that person sometimes, Right? Is that a Jesus thing to do? It's not. And that's why we practice stewardship, but we live out love because it's us. It, that's what it means to be human. That's what it means to be a, a Christian. That's what it means to be a lover of God is that we take his love and we share that love to others. So the question is, is Jesus enough for these troubled times? Yes, it is. I think the lessons that we get from Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew 20, 25 gives us an antidote of how we should be standing tall above all of these atrocities or chaos or challenges that we face in our life. My encouragement to you, don't pick a side. My encouragement to you is this side that we have with Jesus cultivate it, grow it, spread it to the people out there. And if there's a time that this society needs it, it's today. It's today. So be an ambassador for Jesus and live Christian values. Amen.